your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown oh, is frozen over. of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Welcome in to a new episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller, who is who is a lot cooler than I am right now because he is out in, uh, I don't know if it's sunny, Green Bay, Wisconsin, because he Definitely spent the last sunny. two days watching Saints-Packers joint practices, the most exciting practices you'll ever hear about. Uh, how's it going out there, Steve? How's the weather? Uh, pretty beautiful. You wake up in the morning at 60 degrees and by, you know, the afternoon, mid morning afternoon, when you get to practice time, you're in the 72, 73 degrees, had a nice breeze today. I laughed when you hear a lot of the local folks complaining, oh, how hot it is. And, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, I was seeing reports about the heat index back home being in the 100. So definitely nothing to complain about here. Well, that was like I was up in Montana a few weeks back, and that was like the big difference was like, oh, got, it got to be like 91 degrees and everyone was like freaking out. And I was like, yeah, but it's like zero percent humidity. Right. Like, they don't know what humidity is. And that's uh, yeah, that's why when they come down here in the summer, they die. Yeah, that was the biggest thing when we when we arrived. It was late at night and the girl at the front desk was asking, you know, what do you think of Green Bay so far? And I'm like, well, we we haven't seen anything and pretty much everything shuts down here early as well so it was kind of a desolate kind of area as we got in at 9 30 10 o'clock at night but the biggest thing is when you step off that plane or go out the side of the door there isn't that wall of humidity definitely hitting you and yeah the, the practices were were absolutely gorgeous definitely reminded me of the days of watching them in west virginia it was that easy of a session to watch where you're not sweating really at all and don't worry that humidity will be waiting for you when you get back luckily i think the first practice back is sunday in the dome in the dome, yeah. So at least you don't have to worry about that. But you still have to live with it. So you'll still get it. So we're not only going to talk about the weather in Wisconsin. We are going to get into a lot about what the Saints are getting into this week. We're going to do some news and notes. We're going to get the latest on Jameis Winston, who kind of got back into team drills today. Then we're going to go through kind of the best sound that we've heard out at camp. We have a lot of good interviews with Marshawn Lattimore, Dennis Allen, uh, Michael Thomas, all that jazz. And then we're going to finish out with kind of the spotlight player that we are looking at the most closely in the week two preseason matchup between Green Bay and the Saints. It's going to be on Friday at Lambeau Field. Um, but but without further ado, so Steve, give us, you know, kind of your your rundown of how things went for the last two days at Saints practices. What stood out to you? Did any players stand out to you? Is, is Aaron Rodgers uh, as much of a hippie as they say? You know, let, let, let me hear it. He definitely is. Uh, it was kind of amusing that today uh, on the Wednesday session, he spent more time, I feel like, on the Saints sideline talking to players when the second and third team units were out there for the Packers. Uh, but it was definitely a, a joint. The joint practices on both sides were dominated by defensive play. And, and I don't think there's any concern uh, or worries about the Saints. That they're definitely... Uh, legit from what we've seen in the practices obviously back home to now translating against a four-time MVP the guy was won it 
in back-to-back seasons. And Rodgers, you know, wasn't having the greatest of success. And, and you could tell that he was frustrated. And he talked about it after day one, how the Packers have had issues, uh, communication with his wide receivers. There were drops, uh, running wrong routes. But I got to tell you, the from the front line to the secondary, everybody was performing outstanding. There was plenty of pressure coming down. I think Cam Jordan had a phenomenal week. He looked great up front. The defensive secondary, you could tell that they stayed away from, all the quarterbacks stayed away from Marshawn Lattimore and were really going after Paulson Adebo's side, which is funny because he continued to basically do what he's been doing in Metairie with his pass breakups. Uh, Terrell Matthew, he was a full go in, in team drills. Uh, outstanding watching him on the field in, in so many different places. I can't wait to see how they, they utilize him in the regular season just because he is such a versatile piece. Next to him, Marcus May, another guy that's been shining. Uh, he, he, def- he had a pick on Aaron Rodgers. And just overall, the, the feeling from the defense is that confident swagger, uh, we heard Demario Davis talk about today that that Dennis Allen told the defense that he doesn't want anybody happy because uh, <laughs> a, a, a happy defense, you know, gets complacent. He wants everybody to be not satisfied with everything and uh, uh, wanting more. And that's obviously we know Double D very well, and he always is striving to be the best uh, at everything. And the defense. No concerns, I will say. Obviously, going against a top-flight guy like Aaron Rodgers along with anyone else. On the other side of the ball, not so much. But again, QB1 was out. We didn't see much from Jameis Winston. It was Andy Dalton and our favorite Ian Book in practices. Dalton had his moments. But uh, Ian Book, I would say, had the biggest uh, struggles, not surprisingly. Uh, Today, on Wednesday, there was just two back-to-back instances where he had Deontay Hardy wide open and streaking down the right sideline and found a way to overthrow one of the fastest guys on the roster. It's pretty frustrating. Yeah, overthrew him. It would have have been touchdowns too, for sure. (laughs) Maybe he was trying to overthrow him. Um, But yeah, it it seems very much like Ian Book is on the verge of becoming a short story. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. And uh, as you, so you said, Aaron Rodgers over on the Saints sideline. If anyone on the Saints like, test positive for ayahuasca, we'll know where he got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so- funny, too. Like, he tried to go up to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and C.J. just kept dancing to the music and pretty much ignored Rodgers, and Rodgers there just shaking his head. Was it like they were chirping at each other? No, no. He was just he was talking to Demario Davis and some oh, of the so, other players. So like, C.J. just wouldn't even give him the time of day? No, he kind of like laughed at it and just kept dancing along and backpedaling and ro- doing forward. He, he was he was messing around on the sideline, but definitely wasn't giving Rodgers the attention like, he wanted. I think the, the exact quote would be like, we're not friends, bro. Um, but <laughs> pretty yeah. much anyway. So, yeah, let's get over to the offensive side of the ball a little bit. So uh, you mentioned Jameis. Jameis was out there yesterday. He was wearing pads at the start of the day and then he took him off and he didn't participate in drills today. He was in pads again, and he was in drills, but he didn't go through team drills, if I'm getting that correct. So, yeah, so what did we see from him specifically? What were your impressions? How did he look? How is the foot looking? And that sort of thing. Yeah, the first day when he didn't have pads on was kind of just standing back, going through those mental reps, you could tell, uh, with the quarterbacks, talking with the wide receivers, still being part of the team, but really obviously not not doing anything. Today was a little more active during – 
the Saints portion where before they joined the Packers on the other field for practices and obviously watching his foot to see if there's any kind of limp or he's not moving, you know, correctly, but all indications, he, he looks fine. He's still got the, the brace on his knee as well. And, you know, in a good mood, he was dancing. Uh, but when we talked to Dennis Allen too, about will he get to play on Friday? Is there any chance that was pretty, pretty much squashed. And I, I don't think there was any real expectation. We'd see Winston playing in this contest. Uh, hopefully, I think we do need to see some kind of live action reps from him. So maybe that pre- preseason game number three coming up against the Chargers, he'll get a series in. Close to letting James go today? I don't think so. Um, that wasn't our plan coming out here today. Our plan was kind of go through a little bit of the same deal that we went through yesterday. Um, I haven't gotten a full report, uh, but but. You know, he sounded like it, it was a little bit better today. So, um, you know, we'll see. Is it possible he would play Friday night? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's pretty definitive. <laughs> well, so I don't think so. We so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> we will not be seeing Jameis on Friday, which is, means the Ian Book story will continue for at least another week, which is, you know, it was going to happen either way. If Jameis was out there at all, it would have been for a couple plays, maybe one series. And But I do think, yeah, I think – like you mentioned, you do want to see him get probably a series against the Chargers just to kind of get that kind of live game action because he didn't get it in joint practices. You were kind of, I think you were hoping to get some of that kind of light but competitive work in this week and you weren't able to because of the foot. But it is good that he's back out there. It's good that you can see him running around. So it's not affecting him too much. Um, it doesn't seem to be lingering. You know, it's we started camp talking about limps and we're you know, getting to the end of camp, we're talking about limps, but he's not the only player who kind of dealt with some stuff today. I know James Hurst kind of went off the field. What, what was your kind of read on what happened there? Because it seemed like, well, from from what I can understand, Lewis Kidd and Trevor Penning got all the reps they could they could ask for today. Yeah, and, and Penning actually went off for a little bit as well, okay. uh, but then ended up coming back, uh, c- coming back onto the field. Also, Sage Doxtater uh, left the field. Looked like an arm injury for him, but. With James Hurst, it appeared he got stepped on, mm. uh, but you couldn't really see too much. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like our situation uh, back home in Metairie where the vantage point that you had the players pretty much as a wall in front of you, and you almost wished you were in the stands at higher elevated with the fans so you could see, have a better vantage point. But yeah, it definitely looked like Hurst got stepped on. He was able to go to the locker room on his own power kind of thing. There wasn't any help from a a trainer carrying him or the car coming out. And I know Dennis Allen gave a wonderful explanation of what Hurst (laughs) is dealing with. Yes, this is my favorite, my favorite injury update of all time. Are you ready? Let's go. Anything you can say about uh, James Hurst's status? Uh, Foot. It's really all I can say, Um, you know, um, till we get a chance to delve into it a little bit more foot <laughs> what's up what's going on with james Hurst? foot <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm i'm guessing like somebody just stepped on that foot kind of deal and hopefully it's nothing serious for him uh i don't i don't believe so like i said he wasn't uh limping off the field or needed any assistance and that would obviously be a big blow for the team if he were to miss the anytime honestly 
Yes. And, and Steve knows this. I've been laughing about that answer for about 20 minutes now. I'm just going to start answering questions like that. Hey, what are you doing today? Foot. <laughs> That's all I could say. Foot. Anyway. Eat, yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't want to have to see Trevor Penning starting week one. That's, that is the big concern for me when I hear James Hurst is dealing with an injury because, and it's not that I, like, I, Hey, I talked for 20 minutes last episode about how I think that the concern over Trevor Penning is very overblown at this point. But I would have, I don't want to see him in there week one because he is not ready. And I don't think that he's going to be ready two weeks from now. So I really sincerely hope that James Hurst is not dealing with kind of an extended injury because, you know, and, and I think I brought up the comp to Eric Flowers um, a few episodes back. And I really think that that's what you are in danger of. I think it was the number eight overall pick out of Miami. He went to the Giants. Um, he was supposed to kind of start his career on the right side and kind of work what his way in, but will Beatty, who was a left tackle at the time had an injury in the preseason and Eric flowers had to start at left tackle as is, as a rookie in week one. And he was atrocious. He lost all of his confidence and he just never found it again. He actually latched on as a guard, I think with Washington and he had some, he actually was better as a guard than he was as a left tackle. But that's the scenario that I get really, I get really worried about if, you end up in a situation where James can't go and it's like, man, Trevor's thrown out there in the fire week one against Atlanta and just, just gets worked because he's not ready. And so hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully it's just foot and then foot better. And we can, uh, we can kind of go, but I would be, you know, anytime you see a guy with an injury like that, I would be surprised to see him on the field two days later, just because it's a meaningless game. So, you know, you might see Trevor out there with the first team uh, against the Packers on Friday and I think that'll be a good opportunity if that's the case to uh, to kind of gauge really, really where he is, because that Packers pass rush is going to give him no, uh, no, no rest. And surprisingly, there were no dust ups or squabbles, which, you know, the big agitator, Trevor Penning, it's Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Penning didn't get into any kind of altercations. And surprisingly, I think people would find out that Jarvis Landry was the one that got tossed from practice on Wednesday for his involvement with things. Dennis Allen wasn't having any of that again. And there wasn't anything. There wasn't a big dust up at all. There was a lot of pushing and shoving, talking back and forth. But uh, Allen squashed that immediately for sure again. Jarvis just wanted to get a head start on the cheese curd conversation. <laughs> right, um, exactly. The ADA uh, did get to try cheese curds today. He didn't seem too excited about it. I did have to listen to the sound of him chewing throughout the beginning of that press conference, and that was unpleasant. For anyone, the fried ones at least were like mini mozzarella stick bites kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's essentially what cheese curds are. They're mozzarella sticks. If you, instead of making them into a stick, you kind of molded them into a ball and threw them into a deep fryer. It's not that complicated. You can understand fried cheese is good in most contexts, and this is one of them. But, but so we can just the end the cheese curd debate. I had some of the local folks telling me that the ones to have are not fried and they're actually, they're not cold, but they're like room temperature. That sounds gross. Yeah. Just, just cheese. Well, speaking of gross, Steve, did you go to green Bay, Wisconsin and order Chinese takeout? Well, yeah, I was, I was in the hotel cutting up sound and doing work and everything. And what is wrong with you? (laughs) Well, I, I don't know really what to have it besides brats and beer. I mean, you're only there for what a week. You can't just survive on brats and beer for four days. Come on, man! But I, I gotta I give him cre- really. I gotta give him credit though. My pepper steak might have been one of the best I've ever had, and not just because of the taste. The fact that when you order pepper steak, you pretty much get peppers and onions with a little bit of steak in there. And I was overloaded with deliciously sliced thin 
pieces of beef that I actually even saved. I had leftovers and heated that up when I came back from practice the next day. All right. Well, I just I know to get big, that off my big time Chinese food eats in Green Bay. My my big food review. Get some poutine, right? Like that's okay. that's what you should have gone for. Get some gravy and fries. Anyway, this There's has gone on track. Any other closing notes on what you saw over the last couple of days at Saints practice before we move on here? I would just say that besides the, you know, obviously the injuries to the offensive line were a little bit of concern because they're, they're getting a little thin there. Uh, they're, they're bringing in a, a former uh, black and gold player is coming back to the team. And at least, you know, it's someone, you know, is familiar with what, what the team has been doing because he's been in on this roster before you're going to tell are you going to tell anyone who it is or you just want to maybe leave it a mystery oh, I, I just blanked on the name sorry Derek kelly Derek <laughs> kelly thank you <laughs> i wasn't sure if you were just going to be like hmm <laughs> yeah yeah that player you know <laughs> everyone knows that player that guy it is Derek kelly he's an offensive lineman he did he got some work in like jumbo sets i remember during the 2020 season um, he was kind of in the James Hurst role at that point, uh, especially early in the season, because I want to say that that was the year that Hurst started suspended, but I could be wrong. Either way, yeah, it's just some some known depth. The Saints love bringing back players that they've that they've already worked with, right? They brought back Alex Anzalone. They've brought back all these players that it seems every year you see at least one or two, you know, returning players, you know, like Malcolm Jenkins, Patrick Robinson, guys like that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the way the team is dealing, like I said, with the injuries along the offensive line, who knows if Derek Kelly might see some action on Friday, even though he just got, he's being brought in. I know it's highly unlikely though. Well, and, and we, uh, Mike sat down, Mike Haas sat down with Mickey Loomis. And one of the interesting things he said was like, he hates the cuts because all it does is make it more complicated to try to field a team in a preseason game where you don't want to play your starters, right? Like he, he's pretty, pretty sturdy on the idea. It's like, just keep it at 90 the whole way. What are we gaining by cutting these guys other than kind of opening up options for other teams to pick them up? But like most of the time when you're cutting guys, it's not because those are the bottom five guys on your roster. Like you're not grading everyone and cutting everyone from, you know, 86 to 90. You're cutting people because you need to, you, you need to have a roster to field a team without having to throw, you know, your first team offensive line out there. So that's, I think that's why you see some of these signings, all these USFL guys that come in and leave a week later. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting this time of year to see how they manage that. Yeah. And I want to see also that the linebacking group is a little bit of area concern too, with, yeah. um, obviously Pete Werner still being out of action with that groin. And I, I said that basically the, the clock's really getting ticking a little louder for him because that week one matchup against Atlanta is obviously getting closer and we haven't seen enough of Pete Werner on the field. Yeah, and he's stepping into a much, much bigger role this year, and he's not going to get any preseason reps to kind of, you know, get into that. And uh, that's not that's not an ideal scenario. But that's why we wrap it up on this segment. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. He's still out in Green Bay, but he's hanging out with us. Make sure to check out Inside Black and Gold wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate, review, give us five stars if you think we deserve it. I think we do. And we'll be coming back with the best sound from the week out at joint practices stick around this is
is a coach. Well, he always, you know, he was a dog back, you know, uh, last year. But this year, you know, you can see he matured a little bit and with everything, his technique and everything. So, you know, he be on the lookout for passing for so. Back inside, black and gold, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And that was corner Marshawn Lattimore, who I like to call the wide receiver eraser. I think he, uh, he only was thrown at about four times during these joint practices by the Packers quarter, uh, quarterbacks. And that may, meant that Paulson Adebo sure got a lot of attention and he protected his side of the field well. I really think he only gave up a few contested catches. No interceptions for him. I know that the Cajun Cannon, that's his biggest knock. He wants to see more of the INTs instead of the PBUs. But I, I love what Adebo has been doing all camp. You, saw, you heard Lattimore talk about it. He's got that dog in him. And just that maturity heading into year two has been so evident. He's got that confidence. And along with uh, Roby, the, the Saints have such a lethal trio of, of corners that they can use anywhere. Broby. Yeah, and it is interesting because you have Marshawn, who I think most quarterbacks in the NFL will be like, yeah, I'm not throwing at that guy. And he's going to take away your top receiver. But at what point does throwing at Paulson not become, not not like present itself as a viable option? Because I think that there is a point where it, where it makes more sense to try to throw at Marshawn just because of the way the way that Paulson is dominating his reps, right? Because at least if you're throwing out Marshawn, you're throwing to your best receiver. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like if Paulson is dominating your your wide receiver too, the way that he's going to dominate a lot of teams, and you know, not not most teams don't have Jarvis Landry as their wide receiver too, right? So <laughs> if you're talking about the like the Raiders with you know Devonte <laughs> Adams, you'd rather throw at Devonte Adams even if he's getting covered by Marshawn Lattimore than whoever is on the other side getting blanketed by Paulson Adebo. So. I, there's a there's an interesting line. I think Marshawn's interception total was uh, two and a half, the over under, and I I think like that's a sneaky good bet to pick the over because I think we're gonna get into a situation this year where you know that's a tough under to hit because a lot of times you're not throwing at him, but if Paulson is locking down the other side, Marshawn might rack up interceptions because he's getting the opportunity for him and he's not gonna have a broken hand this year. I, I just think it's really fascinating how that how that kind of cornerback depth chart is going to operate and you know this is another thing mickey talked about in his interview was you know going against aaron Rodgers uh, at any point you know you're not gonna there's value here in these practices that you won't even get in the game because i would be stunned if aaron Rodgers plays in that game but he's getting a chance to go against aaron Rodgers, who he actually picked off in his first career start way back in week one of last year and i think that those reps are so valuable because you don't get those until the regular season but they're getting them in practice yeah, and the communication that I thought might be an issue in the secondary this year, just because you're dealing with two new starting safeties as well, ha- has not been evident. Uh, you, you didn't see really any uh, busted coverages kind of in, in these joint sessions, and I don't think there was any real issues with that even in the preseason game against Houston. So the the secondary looks really tight. We talk about all the talent that's there. I, I don't know what opposing teams are going to do, honestly. You, you really have, you know, quote-unquote, pick your poison. We didn't even mention C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the best slot corner in the NFL, self-proclaimed. <laughs> self-proclaimed, that's important. Quote-unquote, yes. the best slot corner in the NFL. It's not, not me saying it, it's him. But, yeah, no, and I think you're going to see teams try to run the ball. <laughs> yeah, good and luck with that, too. teams to run it, you're in good shape. 
because they're not going to run it because they want to run it. They're running it because they have to run it. Uh, and if you're a team that can't run the ball, then that's it's not going to be great for you. But okay, moving on from Paulson to the other guy who Dennis Allen has proclaimed is having the best camp of his career. And uh, here's here's what Dennis had to say on that uh, today. Explosive, practicing hard, um, being a leader, helping the young guys. Um, I've seen all those all those characteristics. Um, you know, there's some plays that nobody pays attention to where we're throwing the ball on the opposite side of the field, and I see him burst and go, um, developing that habit because he may be the one that springs the block to. Um, you know, spring the ball carrier. Those are things that we ask our guys to do. Um, and look, when Alvin Kamara's doing it, it's pretty easy to demand it out of everybody else. Um, and I see those characteristics out of him. Alvin Kamara, man of the people, doing all the dirty work. And, and yeah, I think that Alvin might be the most under-the-radar, legit star in the NFL. You know, I saw a tweet, like, talking about talking about Christian McCaffrey, you know, how he's the only – running back in NFL history to average 50 yards rushing and 50 yards receiving. Yeah. Well, if you count like the what 23 zeros he's put up in the games, he missed the last two years. Yeah. It looks a little different, but you know, it, and that's, but I think Alvin and, and Christian are very similar players, but like we've just see Alvin do his thing year in year out. No one ever talks about him. Um, at least not from a national level. You would think he's just this kind of ho-hum running back, but he's not, he is a superstar. Um, who who does all the all the right things in practice, you know, not necessarily at 4 a.m. and nightclubs, but in practice, he is he is a guy to to follow. We haven't talked to him yet either, which is disappointing. I, no, I really that, enjoy that, talking to Alvin. We haven't talked to him yet this offseason. That's definitely something I've mentioned that I know to you, the fact that, you know, I, I think the Saints should put him in front of the media. But I guess if you don't have to, why, why do it? But just he's going to come and get asked about the Las Vegas incident and to me, all you have to say, it's an ongoing case that's still, you know, uh, in litigation. And I can't I have nothing to say about that. It's a, con- you know, continuing investigation. Right. What would happen is he would go up there. He would get asked once. OK, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. He would say, I can't talk about it. Someone would ask, OK, has it been kind of weird trying to focus at times? And cool. he would say, no, it's business as usual. And then, it, you know, you might get one more kind of tertiary question. And then it would be about football, and we wouldn't talk about it again until there was another update. Um, yeah, he'd probably say, "You've been in practice. What do you say? You, you think it's right. been affecting me?" Right. And he would, I, I, you know, it honestly might be like a lawyer thing. Like his, maybe his lawyer said, "Just stop talking." Um, and and you know, if that's the case, then you know, uh, you know, if your lawyer tells you to do something, you should do it. You know, you're paying him for a reason, so maybe that's the case. But either way, uh, it it is a bummer because I I really feel like we get very good insight into what is happening with the saints, particularly in the running back room from Alvin, because he's always been a guy that gives you very, you know, matter of fact answers, very straightforward answers. He's not dancing around subjects to a fault at times. Um, But like, that's why he's won the media award the last two years in a row. Um, Like a lot of guys, guys will go up there and kind of like spew platitudes of like this and that. It's like, you've, you've heard the exact same quote 20 different times. You don't need any again, but we have not gotten that from Alvin this year, but I do think it's, it's very telling of a new head coach to go out of his way to praise him like that. Right. It's not, it's not like a contract year. You're like, you're saying right. you're trying to trying to prove something that uh, the team is, is committed and trying to keep him around and, and, you know, brown nosing or whatever you want to call it. 
but if you don't even know football, you can come out to a Saints practice, and I'm, I'm pretty sure immediately you'd be like, who's that guy? Because of just the talent and ability he has stands out uh, above everybody else easily. Right. If you'd never watched a football game in your life and you just watched the Saints practice and you just said, you saw like everyone touched a ball and then like you, you would be like, that guy's different. <laughs> like right. that guy does not move the same way as everybody else. He is a different type of beast. And, and that's, you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with the suspension this year. I think down the road at some point, there's going to be an Alvin Kamara suspension, but I think there is a lot of value added by not having it this year. Um, first year of Dennis Allen's coaching tenure. So like, Great. If they're like you're, if, if you have to serve it at some point, like if you can push that to next year, because I think that this season specifically, there's a lot on the line in terms of how you kind of structure the next four or five years of this of this franchise, and a lot of that's going to come down to whether you think you can win with Jameis Winston. So you really want to see a full season of Jameis and Alvin, or at least as close to it as possible. There's always some kind of injury adjustment you have to bake in at the running back position. So hopefully he can avoid. Uh, that discipline for this year. Uh, but it, but because you're doing that, because that's kind of there, it is going to be hanging over the entire season. And Constantly, it is something right. that you're going to have to plan for. Um, I will say a little bit concerning is what happens if we finally do get the ball rolling on this case, there is a decision. And then we have to worry about the end of season of not having Alvin Kamara. I mean, how, how far can they kick this down the road? and delay this case. Right. That's the nightmare scenario where you delay it, you delay it, you delay it. And then all then, of a okay. sudden week 16 and it's like, and it's like, Oh, it's suspended for the playoffs, which I don't even know. I don't know if you're suspended in the regular season. Does that count in the playoffs? I'd have to check that. I would think you wouldn't be able to just come be able to, to play in the, the postseason. You would think, but that would also be like par for the course of like NFL discipline not making any sense because it's also like stats that happen in the postseason don't count, you know, that right. sort of thing. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the case. But all right, we have one more bit of sound that I want to get to, which who would have guessed we would have heard from Michael Thomas twice this off this training camp. Right. And, and not James Alvin Kamara. Once. Well, yeah, Alvin Kamara, which we established, but we've only talked to Jameis once. Right. Which is bonkers to me. He was um, he was going to talk after today, but something came up where he wasn't. He's not talking. He wasn't talking today. Also, we were supposed to get Cam Jordan, and they ended up blowing him off as well. Foot, foot. Anytime someone doesn't talk for now, I'm just gonna be like, ah, oh, foot, foot. Okay, but no, it's gonna be Michael Thomas, and here's what he had to say about kind of getting back and getting ready for Week One, which Dennis Allen pretty much said straight up, he's gonna be ready Week One which it's the first time we've heard a definitive, like, guys, it's going to happen from him. He's, he's been very cagey all offseason about not only Michael Thomas, but everybody. He doesn't want to put time on anything. He always says that. But he came out and was like, when the ball kicks off for real, this dude's going to be ready. And, like, that's very encouraging to hear. And here's Mike kind of, kind of hitting on that same subject. Yes, sir. Uh, I trust Dennis. I trust his plan that he has for me. And, um, you know, I'm here to just – take coaching and, and find out the things that I can improve on from here until week one and maximize the opportunity of improving those and becoming a better player before we even get to week one. So just every day is another day to come out here, compete, fine-tune our craft, and, uh, and um, you know, meet coach at that point. If he's, if he's ex Clearly, he's expecting me to be ready week one, so I'll have to be ready week one. You know, I will say about Thomas to, uh, 
in his speaking the second time. The first time we got him was back when he was first uh, came off the PUP list for the Saints. Today, the body language seemed a little different. He, I mean, not as standoffish, a little looser. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that it's all a positive with his recovery. We've heard the word ramp up. And I think the Saints really have done a phenomenal job with all their players and and not pushing anyone back or getting them back too soon. And that was a big one, too, hearing how he trusts head coach Dennis Allen, obviously, because things went a little sour there at the end with Sean Payton. And you just had to worry. It, it, was, it was a lot of people were talking. Are we ever going to see Michael Thomas play for the Saints again kind of thing? Yeah, and I think, you know, with Mike, I'm sure the difference is, you know, that first press conference, he knew he's going to get a lot of questions that were kind of pointed um, that he might, you know, he had to answer specific ways because things had gone badly. And, and like he, like just in terms of health and, you know, he's as frustrated as anyone that it took him this long to get back on the field. But if you had to script a way that this training camp could have gone for him in terms of health, in terms of zero setbacks, you know, only like two rest days, I think, maybe three. He got it, right? So, you know, I'm not surprised. He seems to be in a more uh, amicable mood, affable mood, because I would be too. Because he's a guy who has been struggling for a year and a half to get back on the field, and now he's back on the field, and he has his head coach kind of gassing him up about his own health, and that's got to be a good feeling for him. Yeah, and I know coming back too, you got a nice veteran aside you with with Jarvis Landry, another Ohio State Buckeye, and Chris Olave, who – he, he had a phenomenal uh, week here in Green Bay leading up to this preseason game. Dennis Allen also really gave credit to him saying, you know, you're seeing that speed from him, that that element, and also his route running. Obviously, that all those things we talked about in the draft process, you're, you're really seeing him becoming more of a factor in this offense, and that's exciting too. Just got to get Jameis back in the mix to start uh, building more of that connection. I would like to see at least one series of Jameis and Mike, just so I can say I've seen them complete a pass to each other in a, in a game. Right. Yeah. So I was actually going through my Twitter last night, just kind of like thumbing through some videos. And one of the videos that popped up was uh, Drew Brees against the jets in the preseason a couple of years ago. And he completed a nice pass over the top to Mike Thomas. And the guy on the coverage was uh, Marcus May. <laughs> hey, what do you know? So Hey, it's, it all, it's all kismet. It's all coming back around. Yeah, but May's a guy, like I said, he's been phenomenal in Green Bay. He had a pick of Aaron Rodgers today, and uh, I'm just excited to see this whole unit meshing more together. Uh, they seem to be getting even more and more in tune, I guess, as as we're getting uh, closer to the regular season, which they should be. But, yeah, the, the, the combination of May, Matthew, and even uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson you could throw in with that, that safety mix at times is just going to cause so many issues uh, along, along with the cornerback group. I, I, don't, I don't know how much this passing, this passing defense is going to be pretty, leg- pretty intense and legit, especially with that front bringing the pressure that we're expecting. The only, the only question on defense for me is who's going to be opposite of Demario Davis and you know, with, with Werner out, Dennis Allen, the first name that really popped into his head, and he said that uh, we he, he mentioned, uh, what's his, uh, Idaho. Caden Ellis? Thank you. Jordan. Dennis Allen mentioned Caden Ellis as really standing out and being more of a guy that showed, showed up in coverage as well with his, his run-stopping abilities. So 
I'm assuming like if we were going to get into game one tomorrow, you would see Caden Ellis alongside Demario Davis because of the questions at linebacker right now uh, with with Werner, which is unfortunate because he was getting so much hype heading into year two. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking about so uh, the Saints linebacker core. You've got a lot of the uh, a lot of the North covered. You have uh, Chase Hansen out of Utah. You have Caden Ellis out of Idaho, and you have Andrew Dowell out of Michigan. A lot of a lot of cold people. That's all I can say. A lot of salt going on. A lot of salt on the roads. That's all. That's all I had. That was that was the take. That was it. We're really scra- got, scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> you got to appreciate. You got to appreciate those those cold weather linebackers, I guess. And you know what? Uh, wait, wait, wait! I forgot. Zach Bond was Wisconsin. <laughs> Mr. Wisconsin, right? Exactly. And he said yesterday, Wisconsin very underrated state. And I don't and know if then, it's true, but you would know better than I would. Yeah, I think I've, I've been enjoying the weather, but I, I definitely don't want to live here. Even I mean, it might be nice to visit in the summertime, kind of thing, but way too it's, small it's towny summer. for me. It's summer right now. Right. Right now is great to visit, but I don't really want to stick around too much longer. No, you come down here in the winter and you go up there in the summer. That's the deal. Sure. Unless you're cheap like me and you go up in the winter because it's, you know, that's when everyone's trying to escape. We're on radio, so we're, we're cheap by because we have to be. By necessity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll wrap up this segment there. You're listening to Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. And we're going to be getting into our spotlight players for Friday night's matchup against the Packers, the team that we know almost way too much about at this point. And uh, stick around for that. And we're back for one final segment. Where we're going to hit on our spotlight player here on Inside Black and Gold for the Saints week two preseason matchup with the Green Bay Packers out on the not-so-frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And this has been a little more complicated than it should be just because a lot of the players that might be my spotlight player probably won't be on the field, right? Like DA already said, Jameis is, you know, he didn't say definitely, but uh, you can infer definitely not going to play. Mike Thomas, I'm, I'm sure, isn't going to be out there. Taysom Hill, I'd be surprised if he's out there. Ryan Ramchek, maybe. You know, Demario Cam, maybe, for a series but we just don't know, you know, a guy like Rashid Shahid, we don't know. He was supposed to be healthy last week, but he didn't play. So we've narrowed down our list quite a bit, but we have landed on a player that Steve is going to put the spotlight on and he wants to see, he's very interested in how this player performs. Steve, who is it? Newly acquired linebacker, John Bostic, a guy that spent the last three years with the Washington football team and then commanders, I guess you would say. The artist uh, formerly known as football team. Yeah, Exactly. And yes, it was a 2013 second round pick guy that's got experience in this league uh, entering his ninth NFL season. And the linebacking spot is, we mentioned earlier, just a spot that an area that's a lot of concern with the depth, just because what we thought, what we were going to see with Pete Werner alongside Demario Davis doesn't appear on track, at least right now, because of the groin issue that Werner's dealing with. Uh, we've seen Zach Bond also dealing with a hamstring injury that uh, Dennis Allen mentioned the other day. He's back right now. I'm sure we'll see him Friday night because he's back home in Wisconsin. Ramchek, going back to him, backtracking a little, he did mention his mindset is that he's going to be playing. But then again, he also admitted, 
I, I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> which is which I thought was funny. Uh, but yeah, with, with Bostic, just a a veteran guy that's uh, a spot that's up for grabs, and uh, I know it's going to be really competing against you know a guy like Eric Wilson to me too, who has been here and is, is starting to prove himself along with Chase Hansen. Bostic, though, I want to see what this guy can bring to the black and gold, and if he has a chance to maybe be that guy opposite to Demario because. It's a, it's a coin flip right now. We don't know. Yes. Uh, one thing I'll say about uh, John Bostic, that he has 555 career tackles. And if I was sitting on 555 career tackles, I'd just retire because that symmetry is too good <laughs> to give up for three games in another jersey. But what do I know? I've never played in the NFL. What happens um, if you can get to 666? Right. You can get that devil number. <laughs> and you'd have to get 111 tackles this year to do it. That would be fantastic. But yeah, with John, I think the question is not going to be whether he can tackle. We know he can tackle. It's going to be whether he can cover. Yeah. I don't know if you can trust him at the will spot. Like that's the thing is like you're bringing in guys, but I think the depth you need is at the will linebacker spot. Cause if you know, Demario Davis probably isn't coming off the field, assuming everything is right, but there is clearly some question of, the depth at that position because they keep bringing people in. You know, they bring in Kiko Alonso. They, they brought in Joe Schobert for a tryout. Brought, they brought in John Bostic. And I don't think you're concerned about DeMario or Pete. I think you're comfortable with them. So whatever concern you have has to be appearing behind them with an Eric Wilson, with a Zach Vaughn, who we should get to see this week. And I think it's going to be important for him to kind of show that he's still that guy. Because, I, you know, for a third-round pick two years ago, his roster spot doesn't feel particularly safe. Like I have him, I put up a roster projection today and he's on it, but I, I debated it. And that's a rare thing to say about a, a third round pick in going into his third year. But I think it's genuine. I think that his roster spot is not safe. No, he hasn't since coming. He just hasn't really seemed to, to mesh in with this defense. I've seen him, you know, being more of a special teams guy. And I, I don't know if that is going to even translate this year, uh, I, I would almost, I've seen more of, you know, like an Andrew Dowell on the field, even than Zach Bond. Yeah. And the fact is Zach Bond has had about the same impact as an Andrew Dowell. They're both just special teams guys at this point. And that's not saying a whole lot about a third round draft pick. So, you know, take it for what it is, but I think that Zach has a lot to show this week to kind of, and I think if he does go out and play well, I think he very much can solidify that spot, but he has to do it. If he goes out there and struggles, you know, you could see that the wind change for him real quick. A guy like Bostic is interesting because if he goes out and balls out, you know, maybe that that's linebacker room is crowded. It's not crowded with, you know, know. Um, how do you put that household names, <laughs> but it is crowded. Yeah. And I'm, I'm interested to see maybe coming back home for Bond will, will help ignite, you know, some kind of spark for him because, we need something. And, and I know he's at that point, I think, too. Like, I, I need to see something more from him. It, it the, Just the, the contributions on special teams are not enough. Like you mentioned, too high of a draft pick to kind of have, have these questions about still. Agreed. Okay, let's move on because I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And we've already talked about this a lot, so we don't really have a lot of new ground we can cover. But my spotlight player, much like it was last week, I would have probably picked the same guy last week going to be abram smith um and the reason is because i think if Dwayne washington is really and truly the guy you are looking at to be that rb3 then when when you're looking at the last running back it now becomes the fourth running back that you're keeping 
And that changes the equation for me because you are not asking that player to take on a significant role in the run game in this season, maybe down the road. But so if that's the case, then a guy like Tony Jones, a guy like Devina Zigbo, who you know about, you know, maybe they kind of drop down the list because this upside guy is there, right? So I think that, you know, and I talked about my roster projection. You can go check it out in WWL.com. It's also on my Twitter account. I put Abram Smith as that fourth running back. And I know the the fumble on the goal line is is going to stand out and it's got some people freaked out. But, yeah, but it's not a death sentence. Yeah, and I actually think, you know, at the end of the day, that happens. You know, I think you have to kind of, if that, that'll happen to you at some point in your career. And I think having it happen in, you know, your first preseason game where you can now be like, oh yeah, that's not happening to me again. Right. Because I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I think that's, you know, if you respond to it the right way, that's a good thing because you, you now understand like, you know, I can't just let my eyes get big because I'm on the goal line. I have to protect the ball. And so that's what he has to show this week. And I think that assuming Dwayne continues to be in that role and doesn't fall out of it. I think he's got a roster spot. Um, you might only keep three running backs, but again, they brought in Abram because they like Abram. I think I kind of look at him more like a seventh round pick than a UDFA, because I think if they had a seventh round pick, he would have been their seventh round pick. And so I think that there, there is going to be an incentive to keep him around if they can. And if you can put Dwayne in that RB three role, then you can put Abram in that RB four special teams role. And so what I need to see from him this week is to show that the, you know, you're not a turnover prone guy. That was just a flash in the pan. That was a, okay, I'm going to make sure that I put two hands on the ball in the red zone. And then we can go from there. I'm not concerned about the fumbling, assuming that he doesn't show it's an issue. And, but that's why I want to watch him closely and see how he responds to that. Um, because I think when you're looking at a guy who you want to keep on the roster for his upside, he has to be moving in the right direction. Um, so this is a big game for him, I think. Yeah, and I think that we saw, you know, the running back rotation, how it went last week is going to be a little different come this game. Uh, Dwayne Washington did get a bit banged up in Tuesday's practice. He was there today, but he was just an observer. Uh, he was not practicing. So it might be a guy like, you know, Tony Jones Jr. that gets the start and then maybe a Zigbo and, you know, finish closing out with Abram Smith, or they might, you know, flip-flop that kind of thing. Uh, I'm definitely interested to see more of him too, hoping that he can put uh, that past fumble behind him because other than that, I thought he had a decent game against the Texans, was running hard. We just want to see more consistency, obviously, from him and that uh, I've mentioned it before, that truck stick ability that gets talked about with him being the former linebacker. The speeding bull. Yes. But yeah, hammer, and, not the nail, mom said. Right, right. <laughs> hammer the nail. Yes. Yeah. And I think, like I said, if if Dwayne doesn't kind of ascend into that RB3 role, and then Tony Jones Jr., Devon Zigbo, they are the best option in my eyes. If if Dwayne is the RB4, I don't think you put Abram in that role um, because you are putting, you, you know, because as we talked about with Alvin Kamara, there is some overlying risk of a suspension coming down. And you're asking a lot of Abram if you're putting him in that role. So that's why I think he needs to A, show out, and B, Dwayne has to stick in that role. And then I feel really good about Abram. But, you know, it's all going to kind of set itself uh, in, in the end. I think it says a lot about the room, too, or what, the, what the, the coaching staff feels about the room. They could have easily – I don't know about easily maybe, but they could have made a move – uh, in trading for some uh, running back, and they, they did not this year. 
I don't know how easy it is. It's it's NFL trades are always hard, you know, because right. you you're not just going to bring somebody in like if you're going to trade for somebody, you'd like it to be so, you know, they traded for Mark Ingram last year. That just happened to work because the Texans were in a fire sale and they literally were like, "Hey Mark, you want to go back to New Orleans?" and Mark said, "Yeah." <laughs> well, um, of, course, of course when you heard Kareem Hunt obviously say yes. he want that that name immediately popped up and it was like it was definitely interesting, intriguing that with the Saints be willing to make a move there, but I, I don't know if they really want to give up that that uh, hefty of assets to acquire him. And the Browns said no anyway. So exactly. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> they said, we want to keep all of the uh, personally troubled people in our locker room. We're not we getting love rid it. of any of them. Any of them. We want complete disaster this year. Yes. <laughs> Too soon? Uh, anyway. But okay, look, those are our spotlight players, but I do think there are a few other, you know, kind of interesting names that we're probably going to see this week. Chris Olave, no one really talked about it, but he was kind of uh, invisible during that first preseason game. I'd like to see him getting a little more action. Again, it's one of those situations where I think that he has more of chemistry with Jameis at this point than he does with Andy Dalton. So, you know, take that for what it, what it is. And we know Ian Book is not going to be the best at distributing the ball. So I'm not overly concerned with Chris not getting in, involved that much, but I would like to see him, uh, you know, at least be more assertive uh, and and fight for some balls. The other guy, Elante Taylor, who was not out there for the preseason opener, but I expect he will be out there this week. And I'm curious to see how he, you know, battles in the uh, in the secondary because I think that you're probably keep four cornerbacks on this roster. That's not a lot, and so you know, one injury, all of a sudden, that rotation is three players and. Throughout the course of a game, a guy gets a cramp and that third cornerback is in the game, right? When you're the fourth cornerback, unless there are some injuries, you're probably not going to get in. The third cornerback in the roster, they're going to see action in most games. So, you know, I think that what he's able to show in the preseason is going to be interesting because I think you're going to have to depend on him at some points this year. Yeah, on offense, I'm going to be looking uh, at the tight end group and Juwan Johnson. Hopefully he doesn't get overthrown terribly this outing he's been starting to you know show a little more in these practices and uh, i just think he's a guy that is a a a good offensive threat that just is he admitted that learning the tight end position was kind of like a foreign language to him last year and all the nuances that go into it of course he says he's biased but he believes it's one of the the toughest position to get down in the nfl so definitely anxious to see more of him and hopefully can hook up with Andy Dalton some and on defense I gotta say defensive tackle Malcolm Roach is a guy that uh, has been really coming alive of late we saw him I know you highlighted that play against the Texans where he chased down the running back and even in these practices in Green Bay he's been really vocal fired up and you're seeing that pressure providing up front and I just want to see that push translate more into the games too because they need Someone, uh, is he going to be that guy alongside David Onyemata? Yeah, and just backtracking a bit to Juwan Johnson, one thing that stood out to me this week was DA gave him a very kind of ringing endorsement. And I think this is the time of year where you need to listen for the subtext and a lot of answers because it's not just kind of a an answer anymore. It's you're talking to the media, but you're also talking to that player, yeah. right? Because you know it's going to get back to them. And uh, so DA said, I think he's really improved his blocking. I think we felt like there was a talented receiving threat at the tight end position with him, but I think you've really seen improvement in his understanding in terms of what we're doing from a blocking standpoint and really just kind of the fundamentals and technique of it, you know, dot, dot, dot. 
that's a that's an ellipsis. So I kind of like where he's at. You know, when you hear that from a coach at this point in the offseason about a player who could be on the roster bubble, I think that that's a very positive thing for him. Um, so yeah, absolutely, because if they're thinking about parting ways, you're giving him a pretty big ringing endorsement for these other teams. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're in a situation where there's going to be a lot of difficult cuts. This is a talented roster, and there's a lot of NFL players on it. There's more than 53 players on this roster right now that should be on an NFL roster. So you're going to have to make tough cuts somewhere. And cool. it doesn't look like that's going to be Juwan. Um, so we can move on. But then, then here's another one, which I thought really stood out to me, and he's another guy we could watch, is Dejon Dixon. Now, I think if you came away from that first preseason game, you would say Dejon had a great game. He was the he caught three passes for 33 yards. He was the team leader in receptions, team leader in yards. But you always have to remember when you're talking about the wide receiver six or whatever, you're not necessarily making the roster because you're the best receiver. You're making the roster because of what you do on special teams. That's vitally important to your role. Now, there's obviously value in keeping around a guy because you think down the road he can be one of those top three, four receivers. But, you know, a guy like Austin Carr doesn't make the roster because of his receiving acumen. He makes the roster because he's excelling as a gunner, right? Kevin White's a good example of a guy who's excelling in special teams, and he might make the roster because of that. If he could only tackle. Yes. If he could only do that last thing in every bit of what he does. He does everything really good up to the point where it needs to happen, and then it doesn't happen. Drives me nuts. Anyway, but so Dejon Dixon, here's what DA said. We just talked about Jawan and how he got that ringing endorsement. Here's what he said about Dejon. I thought he did a good job in the game the other night, particularly from a receiving standpoint. I didn't think his special teams was particularly good. So that's an area he's got to improve on. But I felt like as a route runner, his ability to catch the ball, I felt like I saw a lot of the same things I've been seeing. That's not what you want to be having said about you at this point if you are trying to seriously make the roster. And Dejan needs to hear that and light that and make fire. Sure right. That's not the the takeaway again, right? <laughs> Because you're not making the roster as a UDFA. I don't care how how much you've been excelling in preseason catching the ball from Ian Book. You're not making the roster unless you are making an impact on special teams. And that's where, you know, I asked Dejan about this when he spoke the other day. And he said, yeah, I'll do whatever they need from me. And, you know, I think that the the willingness is there. But, you know, I don't know if it's an effort thing. But he's going to have to step up to make this team. Yeah, to me, with Dixon and also Kirk Merritt, those are guys that are possible practice squad stashes if they, you know, if, if they're, they go on claim kind of thing. But I, I don't think either one of those really have a legitimate shot to make the 53 just because, you know, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, and then I'd put in your Marquez Calloway, even Traquan Smith, even though uh, he had that troublesome drop in the end zone. And I've almost come to the point, too, where I've almost washed my hands of him just because he's just so frustrating between the injuries and inconsistency. He's been healthy this year, though. He's been healthy, and I thought, for the most part, has had a pretty good training camp. And so I'm trying not to let that that one incident, that drop in the end zone, sway me too much. But, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll see what he does in this Packers game, too. But I just think... That, that wide receiver room is, is way too crowded for, for guys like Dixon and, and, and like White and Merritt. Uh, it'll be interesting to see even what they do with Rashid Shahid uh, because we haven't seen that return ability really yet from him. Yeah, and I mean, I will say, you know, they're, they're on the bubble. 
those guys. And I think they are definitely practice squad candidates. And, but, you know, injuries happen. You never know, right? And that's why you kind of, you want to be putting yourself in that position so that if the circumstances do change and a guy like Traquan isn't going to make the roster for whatever reason, if a guy like Marquez does, you know, kind of falls off, then you're, you're right there and you kind of jump into that role. And that's where they need to be. I think Rashid is a really interesting case study in kind of the return dynamics and how much this team values a dedicated returner in a league where you don't return kicks that much, you know? And I think we saw with them cutting Aesop Winston that they believe that Rashid can be that kind of backup return guy, because that's really what Aesop, that was his kind of, you know, his bag, really. I mean, that's why he was on the roster last year, and that's why you kind of kept him around. But I think that that's kind of an indicator that they feel like Rashid can get the job done. And I think it's also an indicator that Rashid's going to be ready to go, because I don't think you would have cut Aesop Unless, you know, Rashid was was out there. But who knows? Maybe maybe Tony Jones will get some kick returns again. I, I don't know. I did think it was interesting at the practice on Wednesday here that Jameis, obviously, we said wasn't doing any practice, but him and Rashid Shahid kind of huddled up for a little bit on the sideline, and then they walked towards the locker room and went inside. I'm assuming they were doing some work together in the indoor facility, which we didn't get to see at all, but uh, I thought that was good. Obviously, if if they're putting some work in there, they, they both need as many reps as you can get. And if, if Rashid Shahid is getting some time with Jameis Winston, that can only benefit him, obviously. They might have been getting extra work. They might have been chowing down on the cheese curds. I was going to say that too, right? Who knows? But I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to check out the latest on WWL. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. That's Steve Geller. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. He's going to be out in Green Bay for another couple of days. Packers and the Saints face off on Friday. We got a pregame show Friday, too. First take, 3 o'clock, WWL. Make sure you tune in so you can hear more of our wonderful takes and insight going into the 7 o'clock kickoff on WWL. I'd call them ramblings, but I agree. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, who that? 